Ariadne flexed the fingers of her right hand. They still bothered her from where a stray rock had shattered three of her fingers during a past adventure. Even now, months later, she could still see a purple discoloration to the skin where the rock made impact. At least that's what she told everyone. By my soul. She shook her hand, an action that Ormara specifically told her to avoid. Ariadne would never tell her mentor this, but it did bring temporary relief. And besides, what Omara doesn't know can't hurt me. Ariadne thought to herself, even smiling a little bit. She walked through the mirror-lined corridors. The gold trim around the halls gave it a feeling of a never-ending sunset. When the sun sits at its highest peak of the day, its golden light radiates throughout the area and reflects off the thin silvery bracers. Ariadne's serenity is quickly shattered by a familiar voice. You're actually going. I'm surprised to see you wearing anything proper. Of course I am, Adrian. This party is being thrown for my sake. The least I could do was wear the proper attire. She glanced down at the floor-length gown that the court's finest string weaver made for her. The light blue she selected was overpowered by the golden light of the sun within the mirror chamber. What do you think of the bracers I crafted for you? They're my favorite part of the whole outfit. She smiled at her little brother, and even though she was genuinely happy to see him, guilt panged her gut. Ormara had been right, as usual. She had been gone for far too long. You're almost a man now, Adrian. Have you spoken at all with Naomi about beginning your apprenticeship? I have, but only briefly. I don't think Father would allow it. Why not? He's different now, more insistent that I attend my lessons. Did he know he constantly makes me recite my history lessons to him? I've hardly had any time to work on anything else. How can he just stop you from- Because he's king. And more importantly, our father. Huh. Could have fooled me. Ariadne fell silent. She really had been gone for too long. Tell you what. Tonight I'll sneak you a full cup of wine. But what if- Uh, But nothing. I've requested it be made special by the kitchens. There's no way you're going this whole night without at least trying it. Fine. Although his years had increased drastically since Ariadne had departed from the palace gates, Adrian's face still conveyed deep happiness in his wide-toothed smile. About time I found you two. That crazy bastard was about to send the whole palace out on a search party for the two of you. You know, father could have your head for calling him that. Yes, he could, but he wouldn't. No guard or sellsword could ever find me, let alone beat me. The day will come when I'll be able to beat you in a duel. The day Father Time runs me through with the point of his clock is the same day. You will beat me in a duel, young one. Ormara smiled and fuzzled Adrian's hair. Reluctantly, Adrian also smiled. How go your explorations in the east of late? Slow, but they are moving. I swear by my soul, they don't make adventures like they used to. Back in my day, you would never hear a young man complaining about the cold. When I was starting out... All I had was a pouch of pebbles and a sling. Yes, we all know the story. Okay, okay, I get it. Come now. The king is waiting, and I'm planning on drinking a full cask of that wine before the sun goes down. Lady Armara, at the rate you drink, the wine will get to you before anything else even has the chance. Well, if it's a race you want, then you better place your bets sooner rather than later. I'm putting my odds on the wine. Ormara led Ariadne and Adrian to the polished oak doors that led to the vast and vaulted banquet hall. Even through the thick doors, the trio could hear the sounds of instruments being played, drinks being poured, and laughter filling the air. Go on, you two. This is your celebration, after all. 
I'll find another way in. Ormara knocked on the door, and a pair of armored knights from the King's Guard opened them. All at once, the large hall fell silent. All rise. The gathered nobles all rose to their feet, glasses and cups raised high. It is my honor to present to you Princess Ariadne du Courtois, heir to the throne of Rosedale, beloved by all, and Prince Adrian du Courtois, the young lord. Welcome them with honor. Shayla Uraela. The court raised their drinks and took a sip of respect to the royal family. Before I allow you to continue drinking my wine, eating my food, and sitting at my table, I would like to say a few words. The crowd laughed politely and turned to face King Nicholas, who stood at the head of a long table. It is not only the kingdom who rejoices this day. It is I, and not as a king may rejoice for his people, but as a father who rejoices for the return of his daughter. Here's to you, Ariadne, for you look as beautiful as the day you left us and it fills my heart with happiness to see you once again. Ariadne blushed at her father's kind words and placed her right hand on her heart, bowing slightly. Now eat, drink, and be merry all, by order of your king. The crown didn't pay for this feast for it to be wasted. The crowd cheered and returned to their seats and continued to partake in the celebration. My princess, my prince, if I may, please allow me to escort you to your seat next to the king. Of course, sir. Although she was entirely capable of walking across the floor by herself, she had always been taught to be pleasant to those who serve you. Sitting beside her father, Ariadne felt at home once again. The various lords and ladies crossed the room, wearing colorful clothing to pay their respects in various stages of respectful drunkenness. My brother, Aster, it is my pleasure to host you tonight. Lord Aster Iris, brother of the former queen, stepped forward toward the royal's table. As it is to see you, my king, and my young prince and princess. How fares my kingdom on the border of Acacia? The peace endures, my king, thanks to the support of the crown and the unending support of the Sixth Legion. It pleases me to hear so. Now go, speak your peace. Of course, my king, and my princess, if I may. I see more of my late sister in your eyes every day. It both pains me and gladdens me to see her eyes in your face. Thank you, my lord. I see much of her in you as well. I'm sure she would have loved to see you today. Tonight I will pray to her as thanks for your kind words. Ariadne remembered the words Ormara had instructed her to recite, all meant as kindness and pleasantries expected of her as the heir to the throne. However, something about her uncle's words felt more genuine than the others. Paying his respects, Lord Aster returned to the swell, The day turned to night. Ariadne made true on her promise to her younger brother, slipping him a full glass of wine while the king had business elsewhere in the Grand Hall. And not a word of this, not even to Ormara. Not a word. He grinned. Ever so slightly drunk, he made the motion of a turning key in front of his lips. Not a word for me either. Ariadne turned, seeing Ormara standing directly behind her. Not a word. Making the same motion as Adrian, she winked. After eating, drinking, dancing, and laughing with all the people, Ariadne returned to her seat at the long table. I think I should retire soon. During your own celebration? Yes, the lords and ladies can enjoy themselves without me. Can you at least wait to tell father? That depends on how quickly he gets back, I suppose. 
Ariadne scanned the room with her eyes, but could not see her father anywhere. Where did he go? He has a tendency to disappear. In hindsight, it's obvious where you get it from. Although her little brother meant nothing by it, the comment stung deeply. I'll check by his chambers on my way out. If anyone comes looking, tell them I left. I will. <laughs> Please, enjoy yourself. I will. And drink this. Another full glass? Yes. Say less. And what do you say? Not a word. Correct. Good night, Adrian. Good night, sister. Ariadne walked through the now dimly lit back halls of the Rosedale Palace. I wish you were here. I need your help. Ariadne thought of her mother. Tall, beautiful, strong, and comforting. You always left your door cracked when I was a child, in case I had a nightmare. A tear ran down her cheek, streaking the layers of powders, oils, and other cosmetics that had been placed upon her face in preparation for the dinner. But nobody ever told me what to do if the nightmares were real. Ariadne sat wide awake in her bed for hours after she left the party. She wouldn't dare try and sleep lest she see their faces, hear their voices. Every few minutes she glanced at the bottle that the apothecary left her on her bedstand every night. Not tonight. Tonight I will do it myself. I will fall asleep on my own. She closed her eyes and breathed deeply. In the field there is a little stone wall, a short wall made of stone, and there hides the cat. Every day the farmer comes and looks at his herd and all. Over the wall the sheep jump, even those most fat. But at the end here comes a ball that knocks off his hat, and there he sits and there he is, the old tomcat. Ariadne mumbled the old poem her mother used to read to her when she was a child, her mind comforted, eventually drifting off to sleep. Come to me, quickly. I, I can't. I can't. Just run and jump, Adele. It'll be okay. I, I can't. You can't do it. Trust me. I, 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 I can't do it. Ariadne stood. In one hand, a thin-bladed sword. In the other, a torch being the only light in the cave. Quickly, come to me! Ariadne could hear the heavy scuttling sound approaching rapidly. It's just a little jump, Adele. You can make it. I won't make it. I'll catch you, I swear. Now come on, Adele. Ariadne lied. No matter how strong she was, there was no way she could catch Adele now. Even carrying the torch in her hand caused her insatiable pain. Come on, you have to be quick. Come on! We'll catch you! It'll be okay! Yes, Dominique and I have you. Just jump. Ariadne's heartbeat pounded in her temples as she heard the thing getting closer. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to jump. You can do it! Dominique held Loran over one shoulder and carried a long pike in his free hand. Are you with me, Loran? going to be okay, Loran. Blood quietly pooled near Dominique's feet from the gash on Loran's back, the blood starting to drip at an alarming rate. Here I come. Adele stepped back to begin a running leap over the chasm that separated her from Ariadne, Dominique, and Loran. With a few running steps, she began her jump. You're going to make it, come on. As she began her leap, something shot out from the darkness. A dark fluid shot from the cave, pinning Adele's foot to the ground on her last step. She cried out in pain as her ankle snapped from the pressure, but her leg didn't bud. Help me, 
I'm coming. Hold on. Dominique dropped Loran to the ground with a thud, and he ran to the chasm and looked up. You can't make it. Come on, man. We have to go. Jessica's dead and you know it. Shut your fucking mouth. You're the reason why we're here, Patrice. It would be better to throw you into this pit. Don't go, Dominique. I'm sorry, but I have to try. Dominique lined up for a running jump to get to the other side of the chasm. I'm coming! Don't move! Dominique began to run, but he was too late. A long green and black spike pincer lashed out from the darkness and through Adele's chest. She tried to scream, but no noise came from her mouth. Ariadne could now see the giant, beady black eyes and malformed face of the monster. Its silence was more terrifying than any creature's roar could hope to be. No! Adele! Dominique tried to stop his run, but he stumbled and fell to the ground. He rolled off the cliff with a desperate call for help until Ariadne heard a loud crack and then nothing more. We need to run. We can't leave Loran here. Maybe you can't, but I definitely can. Ariadne suddenly felt a blunt pain to her back as Patrice bludgeoned her with the guard on his sword. Her blade fell to the ground, and strong vertigo prevented her from standing again. Good luck. Hope you can see in the dark. Patrice stomped his metal-toed boot onto Ariadne's hand, shattering the bones in her fingers. Satisfied that she would not be able to stop him, Patrice snatched the torch from her open hand and ran through the cave. Patrice, wait. Don't go. Don't take the light. Ariadne was left in total darkness, and she could see the glow of the torch leave the cavern before her. Patrice. Patrice, don't leave us here. Light. Light. I need light. Where's the light? Ariadne awoke suddenly, drenched in sweat, her right hand clutched a pillow with a white knuckle grip, and in her other hand she held a candle. It took her a moment to realize her pain. Hot wax covered her hand from where she had gripped the candle. Oh, for fuck's sake. The door burst open. Ariadne, are you all right? I heard screaming. Yes, I'm all right, Naomi. Just a bad dream. Are you sure? <laughs> it seems like you've been having a lot of bad dreams recently. I'm okay, really. It's nothing to worry about. Promise me? Naomi held up a pinky finger and looked seriously at the princess. I... Ariadne looked down. Overwhelming feelings of sadness and shame quickly came to the forefront of her mind. I haven't slept through the night in so long, Naomi. It just feels so real. Do you want to tell me what happened? I can't. I don't want to remember. Well, it seems like you're remembering anyway. Why not remember it on your own terms? Okay, fine. Do you mind if I sit? Please, but bring a candle. I seem to have put mine out. Okay, but could you dry off a little before I come back? You look like you took a bath in the Grand River. Ariadne looked down and saw that she had fully sweat through her sleeping clothes. I didn't know I could sweat that much in my sleep. <laughs> I'll be back. Naomi returned after several minutes. She carried two tall candles, a bottle of wine, and a tray of pastries fresh from the kitchens. Where did you get all of this? Oh, you know, around? Okay, look, 
I'd rather not spend the next week in the dungeon, so I'm not telling you. Not a word? Not a word. Ariadne smiled and looked at her friend. Her presence comforted her in a way that nobody else could. Naomi poured a glass of sparkling wine and sat in a chair near Ariadne's bed. So, tell me your dream. On your own terms. Ariadne recapped the recurring dream, telling her of the death of her adventuring group, the monster, of Patrice's betrayal, and almost everything else she could remember. I had no idea how long I was in the darkness. Once the light was out, I ran. When I couldn't run anymore, I walked, and when I couldn't walk anymore, I crawled. I thought I had died. It wasn't until some time later that I saw the light at the end of the cave. And then, how did you get back? I don't know. After exiting the cave, the next thing I knew, I was awake on a doctor's table covered in clean cloth and cleansing oils, miles away from the cave. Some kind stranger must have picked you up and carried you to the town. Did you ever find out the stranger's name who carried you all that distance? I didn't, unfortunately. If I'd known who the stranger was, then I would have given them knighthood. The two women laughed in the late hours of the morning. After talking for some time with her friend... Ariadne felt her eyelids become heavy and could see that Naomi felt the same. Thank you, Naomi. I appreciate you. I'm going to try and get some sleep. I suggest you do the same. I will. If you need anything, I'm right next door. Good night, Naomi. Good night. Naomi departed Ariadne's bedchamber. Although Ariadne did feel much better after telling her friend what had happened... She felt guilty for withholding the whole truth from her friend. As she turned over, she did her best to forget how she managed to leave that cave and the path of blood she carved in her wake. (sighs) Tomorrow is a new day, unexpected and full of adventure. Ariadne closed her eyes for just a moment and saw the monster's malicious red eyes looking down at her. She immediately opened her eyes and choked on her own breath for a moment. She sat upright and pointed her arm into the air, in a hope that she would be able to rekindle the powerful rage that she had used to defeat the beast. She hoped with the same power she could destroy its memory as well. She stood and looked towards her wardrobe. Guess I'm not getting any sleep tonight. She stood up from her bed and walked quietly towards her wardrobe. Opening the door, the firelight caught the edge of her sword, a long, thin-bladed estoc. The simple steel guard felt comfortable in her hand as she picked up the weapon and assumed her fighting stance. She held the blade in her left hand, her palm taking most of the weight in her outstretched arm. She flexed her right shoulder blade and raised her hand so it rested next to her ear. She thrusted the sword forward in a flurry of practice blows. Satisfied with her thrust, she placed her blade within the scabbard and walked down the stairs as quietly as possible into the open yard where the soldiers trained. Placing seven hay-filled mannequins in a circle around her, she began to practice her footwork and swordplay. You can't sleep either? Ariadne had been so focused on her task that she had not heard Adrian approach from the stairs. How long have you been here? Long enough to realize that you have been holding back in our sparring. Adrian carried two wooden fencing swords and straw-filled vests. You should be in bed. So should you. Why couldn't you sleep? I heard someone in the yard, so I checked to see who it was. Now, here I am. It's late. You should go to bed. It's early, actually. The sun is beginning to rise over the eastern hills. Drop your steel. Pick this up. Let's see if you're as good as you appear to be. 
The darkness of the deep night began to give way to the gold of the rising sun while the siblings danced with frightening focus. Adrian was unable to place his wooden sword within Ariadne's guard. I always thought highly of you, but your skill with the sword is something else. Let's see what you do about this! Ariadne smiled and attempted a thrust to his left side. What she thought was an opening in his guard was actually a feint. Adrian flicked his wrist, and Ariadne heard a metal snap. Suddenly, a small circular shield appeared on his arm and blocked her thrust. Using this sudden advantage, Adrian landed what would have been a killing blow on his sister if their swords had been crafted from steel rather than wood. <laughs> Cheater. What does Lady Omara always say? <sighs> Take any advantage you can. And now you're dead. So now the score is 100 to 1. Hey, I'll take what I can get. Oh yeah? Well, let's see how you take this. With blinding speed, Ariadne had wrapped her arms around her brother's waist and drove him into a pile of hay. Now it's 101 to 1. They both sat in the hay and laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Well, guess there's no point in trying to go to bed now. Here comes the sun. Ariadne looked over the eastern battlements of the palace. The ordinary-looking stone walls protected the ornate palace within. Through one of the archer's slits, she could see the sun's rays begin to shine. If I'm being honest, Adrian, I'm a little shocked. You're being far nicer to me than you have in a long time. Yeah. Well, truth is... Being home with you? Like this? I've been getting flashbacks of Mother recently. (laughs) Kind of hard to be mean when thinking about her. It's going to be a very long day. (sighs) Yes. Yes, it is. The siblings sat on their backs and watched the sunrise, not standing to leave until they heard the roosters crow, alerting the entire city that it was time to wake up. For but a fleeting moment, Ariadne forgot her guilt, her sadness, and her pain. She sat next to her brother and relished in her happiness and satisfaction. For the first time in a long time, she smiled. And not a forced smile either. A true smile. One on her own terms. Hey everyone! Thanks for listening! You guys mean the world to us. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to share this with all your friends. For more fun stuff, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, all under the name World of Gundrum. Also, be sure to check out the website. It's got music, stories, and even more lore. Just go to www.worldofgundrum.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.